Let me invite you now, though, to open your Bible to Psalm 131. Psalm 131, uh, title of the message this morning is this, A Life-Transforming Hope. A Life-Transforming Hope. Now, what would you say is at the root of every sin we commit? What's one word that you would use to describe that? Temptation, maybe. Pride. Right? Pride, pride is, is, is the one sin around every sin. Think about it this way. You could actually break it down even if you think of unbelief. When we, when we are living in despair and we're living in fear, we're not trusting things that, uh, we're not trusting the Lord in certain times and situations. Even that lack of trust is saying, hey God, I know better than you and this is not good. I know better than you. I, I'm not going to trust that you're going to watch over me, and so I'm going to live in fear. I'm going to live in despair. Even that is a root, the root cause of that is pride. And pride is something that we have seen since the beginning of time. You go back to the Garden of, Ad, uh, Garden, Garden of Eden, excuse me, and you remember the serpent coming to Adam and Eve and, and tempting them. Remember God had said, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what did the serpent come and, and, and say to him? Why, why would you not want to eat of that? Now, it, the reason God doesn't want you to do that is because if you eat it, you're going to be like him. Like, why would you not want to be like God? And so Adam and Eve took it out of pride because they wanted to be like God. And so from that point on, sin, pride has been running rampant in the world. L look at Cain and Abel. If you know the story of Cain and Abel, they both presented a sacrifice uh, Cain's sacrifice was rejected while Abel's sacrifice was accepted. And what did Cain do in response to that? He killed him. He killed his own brother out of pride. And if you follow the, the lives of the Israelites, pride is a factor over and over and over again. Pride left them wandering in the desert for 40 years because of their stubbornness. Even when they were wandering, they, remember they, they wanted to go back to Egypt because they didn't believe in the promises of what God had for them. Like, if you just trust me, I'm going to give you something far greater than Egypt. Why would you want to go back there? We, we even see pride in the rejection of God as king because they looked at all these surrounding countries and they had human kings and they rejected God as their king and said, give us a human king. And, and, and all throughout the lineage of the kings of Israel, it's just full of pride. Even one of the great heroes, quote-unquote, I say that not truthfully, but what, what some people look at, uh, of the Israelites would be, the king, would be King David. And even King David was supposed to be at war at this certain period of time, and, and lo and behold, he looks over and sees Uriah's, um, Uriah's wife bathing on the roof and says, I want that. And has her sent over and ends up getting her pregnant and, and trying to hide it. He tries to bring Uriah home who's at battle and he brings him back and Uriah's like, I can't, I can't be messing around, sleeping with my wife, enjoying the pleasures of my wife when my, my buddies are at war where I should be right now. And so he ends up having Uriah sent to the front line and killing him. One great story of pride that we see is the story of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, who looked at his territory and said, look what I have built. And the Lord turned him into a beast of the field because of his pride. 
And, and here's the reality. Pride is in the lives of each and every one of us. And in today's psalm, uh, we are going to look at an interesting way to deal with pride. In fact, not only will this lead to humility, but it will also bring peace in our lives. So I got, I got a big idea for us today, and the big idea is this. Hoping in the Lord leads to humility and peace. It's going to come up here shortly. Hoping in the Lord leads to humility and peace. This is, this is what I pray we walk away with today. It's a, it's a very short psalm. But nonetheless, it is a deep one. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said this about it. It is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn. So let's look at that together now. Psalm 131. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O oh Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning that we've enjoyed in song, Lord. I, I thank you that you were faithful then and you are faithful now and you will always be faithful. I thank you that you are the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. Father, we're, we're tempted though to, to doubt you. We're tempted to despair. We're tempted to fear. We're tempted to pride. And Father, this morning, I pray that you would quiet our souls in you. Lord, that we would put our hope in you alone so that it would lead to a place of humility and also lead us to a place of rest, Father. I, I know I need this message this morning, and I'm certain there are people here who need to hear this. And so, Lord, would you encourage us this morning? Would you challenge us with this life-transforming hope? God, my, my only hope this morning is that you are with us and I trust your word when it says we're two or more gathered in your name, you are surely with us. And so God, be active amongst us. Have your way in our hearts. Draw us near to you and do what only you can do. And it's in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen. As you may have seen, uh, this psalm was written by David, whom I mentioned earlier of having dealt with his own issues with pride. And, and in this psalm, we see a man who has grown in his spiritual maturity. Humility was not a characteristic that would describe him. He had to, he had to learn it. He had to go through some things to, to come to the point of humility. And, and I want us this morning, before we move to the beginning, I'm actually going to start at the end. I, I want us to go to that last verse there, and I want to start with that for a couple minutes. Notice verse 3, the first line. O Israel, hope in the Lord. This, this, is, this is what we need. We need to hope in the Lord. But, but what does it mean exactly? I mean, there, there are different ways to, to look at that word hope. You know, all of us, we all have different kind of hope. I hope to be able to afford retirement someday. 
I, I hope my children come to faith in Christ. I hope in this hiring process that we find a wonderful pastor that would serve our church well. I hope to have a good week this week. I, I hope Reese does well in college as we take her there next weekend. All, all of these things may or may not happen. There, there's an uncertainty to those things. There's a sense of wishful thinking in those things. They are desires, but, but this is not what hoping in the Lord is. Rather, hoping in the Lord is trusting Him with your life. It's, it's putting your weight onto Him. It's putting all your eggs in his basket. It's, it's about relying on him. It's about being able to, to rest in the Lord. What we're speaking about is having a confidence that God is holding all things together. A confidence that, that God is sovereign over our entire lives. That he works everything for the good of those who love him. Hoping in Him means you trust the Lord with whatever comes your way because you know that you are secure in Christ. And living this kind of way is going to have ramifications for our lives. Listen, when, when you have this kind of hope in the Lord, verse 2 will be a part of your life. You will find a calm and quieted spirit within you. That's the overflow of a heart trusting in the Lord. A heart trusting in the Lord is quiet. A heart trusting in the Lord is calm. A heart trusting in the Lord does have peace. Not only that, but verse 1 will also be true of you. Hoping in the Lord kills pride. Why? Because your focus is turned off of yourself and it is put on your Savior. And so let's, let's dive into this text now in more depth. And I want to share three challenges for you in hoping in the Lord. Three challenges. Here's the first one. Let your hope in the Lord give you a proper perspective of yourself. Let your hope in the Lord give you a proper perspective of yourself. Let's look at verse 1 again. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. What David is declaring here is that he has been humbled. My heart is not lifted up. Your translation may say, my heart is not proud. He has come to realize that he has nothing to boast about. There, there's no reason for David. And now if you look at the life of David, and he accomplished a lot. I mean, if you just read through, like you could be tempted to think, man, this day, David was a mighty warrior. Look at the things that he did. But what he came to realize is that, man, he, he, he is nothing apart from God. He is nothing apart from what the Lord has done in his life. He has nothing to boast in. He goes on to say, my eyes are not raised too high. My eyes are not haughty. See, he, he, he's not busy looking around and comparing himself to others and thinking, well, I'm doing better than this guy over there. Oh, look, man, I'm surely ahead of that person. Now, I've got it together compared to him. No, he, he's not doing this. He, 
He's, he's realizing that all of his hope is in the Lord. It's not in anything that he could do. He's not rolling his eyes at someone who doesn't seem to have it together like he does. Now, I, I want to also consider and just look at some of the things that David said in the Old Testament. So keep your, hand, keep your finger here, keep a mark there, and I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is towards the beginning of the New Testament, a little bit. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7. I just want to read for us a few things about David and what he said in the midst of being king. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, starting in verse 18, we read this. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Now, just go back to the people of Israel. Remember, uh, who, who was the person that God brought to Egypt? Jacob, right? Whom he calls Israel. And so David was in the line of Israel. Was Jacob anything impressive? <laughs> no. No, they were actually quite a dysfunctional family. You got prideful Joseph who said, oh, you guys are going to bow down to me. Then his brothers sell him into slavery, and, and in Joseph's humility in that, he rises to, to be one of the top people over Egypt. There's a famine that strikes, and then what ends up happening is that uh, uh, Joseph's brothers end up coming to Egypt to find relief, and they, th they think Joseph's dead, and then find, they find out that Joseph actually is alive, and, and, and Jacob's family ends up coming. And, and then Jacob's family, while they're imprisoned in Egypt, grow to be this massive group of people. But yet they were enslaved to Egypt. So I, I say all that to remind us that, that the house of Israel is nothing. Apart from the Lord, they're nothing. They're, they were nothing impressive. God didn't say, who is mighty? Who is awesome? Who could I choose from that has so much to offer me? No, he's saying, I'm going to use this small weak family to show my power and so David is praying from a place of who are we who am I what is my house that you have brought me thus far and yet this was a small thing in your eyes O Lord God you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come and this is instruction for mankind O Lord God and what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. See, he, he's saying, God, this is all you. Any success I've had, this is all you. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with, your, with our ears. And who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself your people Israel to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. I could go on and on, but I'll just stop there. You get the picture here. David realizes that. Man, we are nothing apart from you. Anything great we have done is only because of your grace. And really, you look through the Old Testament, and what you see is a pathetic people with a forgiving, gracious, merciful God. Listen, when we, when we hope in the Lord, we realize we have no hope in ourselves. David has no hope in himself. His hope is in the Lord. And when we realize that, the very, the very expression of I'm, I'm hoping in you, Lord, is an expression of I can't do this. 
I have nothing inside of myself. And so when we hope in the Lord, man, that leads us to a place of having a proper perspective of ourselves. That we have nothing to boast in. We have nothing to hang our hat on. Remember what Paul proclaimed to know? I proclaim to know nothing except for Jesus and him crucified. Paul had quite a rap sheet. He was, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and yet he realized he was nothing apart from Christ. His only boast was in the Lord. We need to have a proper perspective of ourselves. Listen to what the word says about humanity. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us is unworthy of having a testimony that we heard this morning. Every one of us is unworthy of God's grace. Listen, this, is, this, this should not lead us to a place of despair. It should lead us to a place of humility and then immediately worship. Oh, Lord, I have fallen short of your glory. I don't deserve it, and yet I have salvation in you. David proclaimed this in Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. He, he, he knew where he came from. He came from a place of sin. Now I want you to turn with me to the New Testament uh, to further this understanding of our sinfulness. Turn to Titus chapter 3. We got Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, so it's towards the end of the New Testament. I just want you to, to, to understand who we are apart from Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is so vital to our faith in the Lord to know who we are apart from Him. Titus 3 starting in verse 3, says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is, this is who we are, apart from Christ. This is what we were born into. When we hold our innocent little babies, they're sinners separated from God. But listen, it doesn't stop there. Verse 4 says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We were slaves who have become royalty. Not because of anything we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. But listen, if we don't think that we need hope in the Lord, if we don't put our hope in the Lord, then we will live in a place of pride and arrogance. David said this, in this psalm, too, that we have read, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. What's he saying there? What he's saying is this. He's not concerned with doing amazing things in his life. He's not looking to, to, uh, to make a huge rap sheet to, to, to uh, experience and, and accomplish these extravagant things. 
His focus isn't on getting things done as much as it is focused on being faithful and making much of the Lord. You see the difference there? I don't think this is speaking against having ambition. But we shouldn't be concerning ourselves with getting our name put up in the lights. We shouldn't just be thinking, how can I make myself great? How can I make myself amazing? How can I make myself awesome? The, the goal of our life is not so much of what we accomplish, but the goal of our life is more about, I want Jesus to be glorified in everything I do. When people encounter me in anything that I do, all I want them to see is, look at how great our God is. This, this is what David is saying. It's like, I, I can't get swallowed up in, in building this humongous kingdom and thinking about how can I grow this thing to be this massive success Rather, he's saying, I just want to be faithful. I don't want to consume myself with those things. So brothers and sisters, this morning, are you hoping in Christ in such a way that it leads to humility? Are you guarding against pride in your own hearts? Are you guarding your eyes from deceiving you to think that you are something special because of the way that you compare yourself to others? Is your focus more on great things you can do to make a name for yourself, or are you focused on being faithful to Christ? Let your hope in the Lord give you a proper perspective of yourself. Look at verse 2. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Here's challenge number two. Let your hope in the Lord lead you to a place of peace. Let your hope in the Lord lead you to a place of peace. David here is reflecting now on the peace he has in God. He, he has found everything that he needs in him. And this is this is not a description of what the average person life, the average person's life looks like in our world. Calm and quiet are typically not how we describe our lives. We are a people often in a hurry and often in need of noise. How many of you can't even get in your car without turning on the radio, listening to a podcast, putting some music on? Richard Foster said this, in contemporary society, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. We are a funny people. Some of us even need noise to fall asleep at night. <laughs> we stayed at the night at a house. Maybe this is like your house. We don't have noisemakers in our house. Uh, well, we do. They're called children. Um, but uh, we don't use anything for, to help us fall asleep and we stayed the night at somebody's house and every single room had a different noise maker in it it was just it just we are funny people and, and some of you can't even travel without having something making noise so that you can fall asleep in a world that is screaming for our attention we need to learn to rest quietly sometimes in the lord we can be calm and quiet before god and I love this explanation uh, of how, he, how relaxed he is in God. And being a father and observing how a newborn baby and a mother, a nursing mother, how that relationship works, this is such a good picture. He says this, but I have calmed and quieted my soul 
like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Have you ever been around a, like a newborn baby who's nursing? And, and I, I almost feel sorry for moms because the baby is like, okay, mom's holding me. It's time to nurse. And you see him reaching back. It's like it's dinner time. Like there's no rest. Like I'm sure as a mother, you probably sometimes like, can I just hold you without like you having to have a, another meal? But once you wean that child from this, and then that child is just in perfect rest in, in his mother's arms. This is the picture of like, I don't need anything else. I have everything I need right here. This is the picture of rest that David has found in the Lord. He's resting in the Lord. We could use more rest and calmness in our lives. But, but listen, it, if our hearts are proud and our eyes are haughty, there will not be peace. If we are consuming ourselves with trying to do amazing things and build a reputation for ourselves, we will not find peace. Why? Because we will feel the need to stay on top of everything so that it continues. You may be the best today, but you might not be the best tomorrow if you let anything lax go. We won't be able to keep our eyes off of others and, and we'll be continually comparing what somebody else is doing because we want to stay on top of it. In, in planting a church, I am not void of being tempted in this way. The temptation to compare yourself to other churches can be a challenge. I mean, think about this. What is one of the main ways that people judge a church's success by? Attendance. Numbers, how many people are coming? And so you start checking on other churches, like, well, how many, how many do they have? And this can lead to two very bad things. Number one, you might be boastful. Oh, we're growing. They're not. We have more people in our church. Or if they're growing and you're not, then all of a sudden you're thinking, man, we're failing. Listen, we don't, as a church, I don't have this massive dream of looking at these five acres that we have and thinking, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we built this thousand-person church auditorium and we had the best things that you could possibly have with the best coffee bar. Imagine if that's our goal. Then all of a sudden, we're going to start having conversation of, how do we get more people in here? But listen, I want to be like David. I don't, I, I don't want to occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. I don't know what the Lord has for our church. I, I don't care about numbers as much as I care about, I want, I want to be faithful I want the gospel to be proclaimed faithfully. I want to see people walk out of darkness and come to the light. I want to see believers in Christ mature and become disciple makers. And I'm going to leave the growth as far as numbers to the Lord. I, I can't control that. Nor do I want to. But listen, when we start when we don't have a proper perspective of ourselves and we start looking at other people and we start having these grandiose plans for our lives, it can be a major distraction. And we will not find peace. But there is so much rest when our hope is in the Lord. There is so much rest that we trust that only God grow in. Only God can bring lasting hope. 
let your hope in the Lord lead you to a place of peace. Here's the last challenge. Let your hope in the Lord be pursued daily. Let your hope be pursued daily. Look at verse 3. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What David is saying here is, first of all, put your hope in the Lord. Second of all, keep putting your hope in the Lord. Putting our hope in the Lord is a daily challenge. We are constantly putting our hope into something. This fall, I will be putting my hope in Notre Dame, making some kind of noise in the college football world. And I will be tempted to find happiness in them winning. But undoubtedly, they're going to lose once or twice, or some of you are thinking more. And if my hope is in Notre Dame winning, then I'm going to have some pretty discouraging Sunday mornings. And that would be terrible, because who cares about Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan and anybody else who you like? Like, it, it, there's no lasting effect. So we got to guard ourselves against what we put our hope in. We're going to put our hope in something. And so daily, we need to make the choice, I'm going to put my hope in the Lord. I'm not going to put my hope in my job. I'm not going to put my hope that my boss would see me doing the work that I'm doing so that I can get the promotion that I want. I'm not going to put the hope that the doctor is going to call me with the results that I want. I'm not going to put my hope in my wife, my child, my parents, my friends. The church, my hope is in the Lord alone, and our hope needs to be daily put in him. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and there's going to be something nagging on you, calling for you to put your hope in it. The world is a very distracting place. But listen, Christ is our firm foundation he is the immovable rock. Romans 10, 11 says that everyone who hopes in him will not be put to shame. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31 says this, Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Brothers and sisters, hoping in the Lord will give you strength. Hoping in the Lord will give you rest. Hoping in the Lord will give you peace. But we need to actively pursue hoping in him every single day. So let's just talk about how can we practically put our hope in the Lord? How can we practically do this? I think a great way first is to read God's word daily. Open up the Bible and meditate on what it says. Listen to what God's word says about itself. Psalm 119, the psalmist says this in verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Have you ever had seasons of life where you feel like you're about to come unglued? Where you feel like your whole world is crumbling? But then you remember where your hope comes from and God draws you back to his word. And he leads you to a place of rest. Oh, I felt that. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, This great peace have those who love your law, 
Nothing can make them stumble. Listen, when we love God's word, when we obey it, when we believe it and put our hope in it and live by it, we grow very strong. If we are trusting in the promises of God, then no matter what comes our way, nothing can move us. Nothing can make us stumble if our foundation is firm in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if your foundation is weak, could it be that you, are, you have not participated in pursuing God in His Word? Please, please, I say this not from a legalistic perspective, but from a reality. If you are not spending time with the Lord in His Word, then don't expect to have peace in your life. Just like you should not expect to feel good if you aren't eating properly. Don't expect your body to, to respond well if you're not putting any food into it on a regular basis. Just like we need fuel for our physical bodies, we need the fuel of God's word for our spiritual lives. But don't just read it. Another thing you can do is memorize God's word. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who, who would love to be free from sin today? <laughs> Listen, one way that we can do that is by memorizing God's word. This is a practice that I, I promise you, it will bring great joy to your soul. When you're in the, the heat of the moment, I, I think of, it really makes me think of like the military. Now, I've never been through basic training, but things I hear, like you go through some brutal things. Why? So that when it's brutal for real, you have been trained to know how to deal with those kind of situations. When we hide God's word in our heart, we're setting ourselves up for success. When, we, when the heat comes and the, we're giving the Holy Spirit something to work with to remind us, hey, remember my word that you've hidden in your heart? Let this help keep you from sinning against me. Some of you may say, I, I don't memorize things that well. And, and that might be a legit excuse for you, but, but I, I wonder how many songs you have memorized. I, I wonder how many songs we could just pull up today that you haven't listened to for years where you could just start rattling off those lyrics. Listen, for, for me, I have literally made raps <laughs> of scripture songs. I'm not going to rap for you this morning. If you want a private lesson later, $20, we'll get you that, all right? Uh, <laughs> But whatever you need to do to help hide God's word in your heart. Listen, I believe music is a gift from God. We're going to get into that later. But I, we, 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 as this happened more when our older kids were younger. Uh, we had CDs. Do you know what CDs are? They're like this circular thing that, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we would have scripture that would put to songs, like word for word, ESV version, and I have them in my mind, and I could rattle them off. Many of the scriptures sometimes that I share from you, just off cuff that I don't have planned, have come from memorizing these songs. Whatever you need to do to hide God's word, because it is a gift for us when we hide it in our hearts. Psalm 119.105 says this, your word, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word directs us, and when we hide it in our hearts, it becomes a light to our souls. Read God's word. Memorize God's word. In another way that I've found to be incredibly helpful in my life is to pray God's word. 
pray God's word. Uh, there's, a, there's a book that I've certainly mentioned to you. It's called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. In fact, I might have a couple copies if you're, if you're like, man, I, that would really be helpful for me. I, I would love that. Come, come find me. I'll try to, I think, we got a, I think I have a couple copies. Very simple book. Uh, I, I actually listened to it. It took two hours to listen to. Um, phenomenal, very simple book. But it just, it just talks about like praying God's word. Let me, just, let me just describe that. So I, I didn't practice this at all because I intentionally wanted to do it from the cuff. When we pray God's word, here's what I'm not thinking about. I'm not thinking about the theology of the text that I'm reading of. Obviously, we want to be sound in theology and in what scripture teaches us. But I'm, I'm not worried about like dissecting it and diagramming this verse and what it all means. I'm like, what comes to mind as I'm reading it? So, so let, me just, let me just show you what that would look like uh, to pray it. Oh, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. Do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Father, I confess, sometimes my heart is proud. Or sometimes I, I do find myself thinking of me and, and wanting to, to do great things, Lord. Not, not, not for you, but for me. Father, I confess there are times where my eyes are looking around and I'm comparing my life to others and, and I'm tempted to think that I'm better be, just because of how somebody else looks, Lord. And that's, that's not looking to you. That's not going to lead me to a place that loves you. God, would you forgive me of that pride? And Lord, would you remind me, Lord, that I, I just want to be faithful. I don't want to get caught up in, in thinking of doing too great and marvelous things. That's your job. That's your, help me to be faithful to what you've called me to do. And if you grow and do something amazing, it's your glory. God, guard my heart against that. And perhaps you might be thinking of somebody else who's, who's dealing with pride. Somebody who can't see their own sin and they're, you see them suffering and, and, you, and that might bring you to mind. Lord, think of Think of Joe, who's really struggling with pride at work, thinking he deserves what somebody else got. Would you humble him? Would you remind him that he has everything he needs in you? And, and you're just going through, and whatever the Lord leads you, you're just praying through it. This has been life-changing for me. If you've never done that, and you're, you've been kind of stale in your Bible reading, I encourage you, take some time just to read through, and whatever God brings to you, sometimes there's just a word that has nothing to do with, this, with the, what is written here, but the word leads you to pray a certain way. Don't, don't get caught up in trying to match what the scriptures are saying here. Obviously, we're truthful to the entire text of God's word, but just pray it. Read God's word, memorize God's word, pray God's word. Last thing I'll recommend is sing God's word. One of the things that we strive to do here at the church is we, we guard what we sing. There's lots of songs out there that don't always have the best lyrics, and so we do our best to comb through those, and we want to reflect what Scripture says. And there, there are also many great artists out there who have uh, written songs specifically on the Psalms. And those have been very restful for my soul because there's just such a unique thing where you see these broken writers, right? These aren't just like glorious things. These are, they are glorious, but they're coming from people who are broken, who are desperate needy. You think of Psalm 51 and David just pouring out his heart in confession. Like when we put those to song, like God, it, God has gifted us with music. Music is not of the world necessarily. God gave us instruments and, and people to sing words that are in tune and are beautiful, and, and it's a gift to us. And as long as those songs are, are true to Scripture, let, the, let them 
wash over you. There, there are times where I can't read. There are times where, like, the, I, I have no energy to put into the Word of God. And I just need, I need help. And those are moments where I'll go for a walk and I'm just, what are the, what are the songs that point me to Christ? And I can play a little guitar, I can sing a little bit, and so I'll even do that myself, just start playing. And even yesterday, I found myself just sitting on the porch and singing songs and just drawing my heart back to the Lord. So the question for you, are you putting your hope in the Lord on a daily basis? Every day, you will put your hope into something. Is Jesus your greatest source of hope. So as we leave this morning, remember our greatest source of hope can only be found in the Lord. Let the Lord give you a proper perspective of yourself. Let it humble you, not to a place of discouragement, but to a place where you can rest in the Lord. Let the hope of the Lord lead you to a place of peace, when we put aside our reputation and just want to be faithful to the Lord, it leads us to a place of peace because we're resting not in ourselves, but in Christ. And then let the hope of the Lord be pursued daily. Go after hoping in the Lord every single day. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the great hope that we do have in you. That Christ paid for our sins. That we might have eternal hope. God, would you help us to remember that this morning, that our greatest problem is our own sin, and you paid for it. Father, would you help us Remind us that that is the only hope that matters. Would you protect us, Lord, from putting our hope in things that are of this world, even good things, so many good things to hope in, Lord. But there's only one great thing. Would, would you protect us, Lord, from seeking ultimate hope in anything else but you? And Father, I pray Pray that you would satisfy us this week with your word. I confess there are, there are times where it's not satisfying. And Lord, I'm certain every Christian here has dealt with that. But Lord, would, would you bring satisfaction through you and your word today? Through you and your word this week, Lord, that if there are others dealing with discouragement that is been long-lasting, or it may be just even a short extended season, God, where uh, reading through your word is, is going in one, in, in one ear, out the other. God, would you allow it to, to hold fast in our heart, that you would show yourself faithful, Lord, as you are, and God, that you would renew our joy. And Father, remind us that this is a fight. We have an enemy who wants to seek, kill, and destroy, and will do everything he can to distract us from you, God. Keep us disciplined in pursuing you every morning, God, because every morning we're tempted to put our hope in something else. 
And I thank you for your incredible grace and mercy towards us when we do look for hope in other ways. You will hold us fast. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me leave you with a couple of things that you can put into practice this week. Uh, I'm encouraging you to memorize Psalm 131. If you need me to record a song for you, (laughs) I'll do my best. Hide God's word in your heart. This this has been such an encouragement to me this week. I'm always amazed at the opportunity I have to preach his word and, and to realize how desperately I need it. And so I encourage you, memorize this. I, it's a bit lengthy, but, but it's capable. It's, 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 it's doable. And then next week, uh, I encourage, or this week, I encourage you to read through Psalm 132. Just prepare your heart for next week. Uh, we'll actually be gone as we're going to be taking um, Reese to school. So you can pray for us as uh, it's our firstborn uh, she's been a huge blessing to our house, and we're going to miss her. And so just pray for us. Pray for Nikki especially. She's a, uh, a great, great friend of, of her. And uh, any, any of you who've had to send off kids, you know what that's like. And uh, so we're just beginning to feel that this morning, even just uh, the last, like for, for the last several years, Reese has driven with me to church um, in the morning. Even when we were at Jefferson, she would get up at 5 in the morning and come with me as we trekked from Granger until we moved out here. And, and honestly, she's been a huge blessing to our church. And I don't, I don't think I'm saying that just partially. I think she's been a, a massive gift to our kids' ministry. Uh, so pray for Sarah, because <laughs> I know Sarah's going to miss her. But if you see her, could you just thank her for me? I'd, I'd appreciate that. Sorry. <clears throat> Question for you. Do you know yourself? Do you know yourself? Are you aware of your hope can only come from the Lord. And then lastly, just encourage you to read, memorize, pray, sing God's word this week. Let that satisfy your soul. Church, let me remind you that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So let your light shine so that others may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Have a great week.